Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Tuesday, January 15, 2019. Welcome back to the Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and I know uh, you know our usual schedule is Sunday, Wednesday, Friday, but Duke lost Monday night at home to Syracuse, and Trey Jones has a separated AC joint. So these are big developments in the sport, and we decided late Monday that waiting till Wednesday to discuss things that didn't that 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 happened late Monday didn't make much sense so here we are on a Tuesday surprise surprise Norlander on a scale of one to the entire season is different now how big is this injury to Trey Jones not quite the entire season is different but this is uh, significant in fact weird day for Duke overall because it was expected that Zion Williamson was going to play but we didn't know for sure until you know basically we got right up to game time that he was going to play after the the double vision then we find out Cam Reddish has flu-like symptoms he's not even involved in the game and then what six minutes into action Trey Jones goes down with that injury um, so you have three of the four freshmen here that have just uh, that have taken on uh, either injury or illnesses or just freak accidents. So definitely a, a spooky 48 hours for Duke, uh, which will get little to no sympathy from almost anyone um, because when you recruit the number one class pretty, basically year over year and you take on this kind of stuff, uh, guess what? You've got some other uh, some other five-star kids and, and top two draft picks still ready and available for you. So I get, uh, I get people that have uh, no uh, ill will toward Duke but also have no bad feelings for the fact that they're going – through some stuff right now. Trey Jones is a very important player, though. Uh, I don't even know if you can make, uh, given no Reddish, no Trey Jones, I, I, there's still not much of an excuse for losing at home to Syracuse. I, I know we're going to get to the Trey Jones stuff, but real quick on the, on that outcome, Parrish, um, for, for Duke, you got to win that game. Uh, credit to Syracuse for doing what it did there. It's going to get into the tournament. In fact, you know, we both expected Syracuse to lose, and with the loss there, you know, on, if we had had our Wednesday podcast and decided to address Syracuse, I believe we both would have said that we were not thinking that a preseason top 20 team that returned most of its um, minutes from a season ago was going to get back to the NCAA tournament. Now I am so very, very in on Syracuse taking a few more bad losses, stealing another one. Who, hey, who the hell knows? Maybe they'll sweep Duke this season because. The Blue Devils Hill have to go to the Carrier Dome in February, getting that nine seed, knocking off the one, and at minimum making the Elite Eight. Syracuse is uh, prone to do it. I know they, that they're capable of it, and uh, it was nice to at least see them play up and battle. In particular, Tyus Battle was a stud. Um, great game for him. Good for Syracuse. But let's just see where they are in two weeks because I feel like this team might be as bipolar as any. But with Duke, bad loss, and now uh, it's it's no longer number one in multiple metrics. Virginia officially made the leap, and um, and so there we go. I know we're going to get to Trey Jones, but I don't know if you wanted to touch on the game at all whatsoever because it was significant for Q's. Like, for as bad as for Duke, at least we'll acknowledge that the Orange got um, what now rates as the second most impressive win of the season statistically according to KPI. The only one that was better? Michigan just throttling Villanova, and it was the margin of victory for Michigan there that really is the difference as opposed to Syracuse uh, winning that one in overtime. I, I don't reject that all that is true according to computers, but this game will always um, be discussed, and I, I think be discussed by the selection committee with context. You know, Cam Reddish did not play. Um, Trey Jones barely played. I, I don't know that the computers take that into account, but the selection committee will still either way. If your Duke is a bad loss, I mean, when you've got Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett on your team, you cannot lose at home. I mean, you can, but you shouldn't lose at home to a Syracuse team that had just lost at home to Georgia Tech by 14. 
Like, that's a, a, a terrible loss. And I dropped – well, let me ask you. Where do you think – because you don't know yet because it hasn't posted. Yeah. Where do you think I should have dropped Duke in the top 25 and one? I had them number two. Um. Okay. So, given what you just said, I think you're going to take into account – uh, the fact that didn't have Reddish and then had Trey for most of the game, who, by the way, had four steals before he went out. Um, I'll say you only put him at, like, fifth. I don't think you drop him further than that. Am I right? You're wrong. I have him seventh now. Oh, how about it's, that? It's number one Tennessee, two Virginia, three Michigan, four Gonzaga, five Kansas, six Michigan State, and then seven Duke just above the Texas Tech team that it beat on a neutral court um, in the month of, of December. Um, f- for whatever it's worth right now, because that's that's we can say Syracuse is talented, Syracuse is accomplished, Syracuse has a Hall of Fame coach, and Syracuse played well, but Syracuse is still a sub-30 Ken Palm team, and Duke is the only team I have in the top 15 now that has a loss at home to a sub-30 Ken Palm team. And, and then when you combine that fact that you know the resume is now dinged in a way that that it otherwise wouldn't be with the fact that, and I don't always like factor injuries into the rankings until they show themselves to be real issues, but undeniably like losing Trey Jones for an indefinite amount of time is a, is a big problem for Duke, particularly heading into this weekend against Virginia. Now, after that, the schedule really does uh, lighten up, but they're not the same team, anything close to the same team without Trey Jones. And so I've got them seventh, um, uh, just behind Michigan State, just ahead of 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 Texas Tech. So it's a, it's a bad loss, even without Cam and with very little Trey Jones. Because when you've got Zion and you got RJ, you got to be able to handle, and you got Cameron Indoor, you got to be able to to handle that. I do want to touch on uh, something else that you pointed out that because I noticed it last night when I tweeted it about the AC joint separation. And I, let, let me be clear, I'm not a doctor. I don't have any idea how, you know, <laughs> if that means three games or on, nine I, games I, yeah, for I gotta, Trey Jones yeah. or the season. Yeah. But I, I will say that Luke Kennard, the former Duke Blue Devil, suffered an AC joint sprain earlier in this NBA season for the Detroit Pistons, and he missed five weeks. And uh, you know, that might have nothing to do with, with Trey Jones' injury. Trey's could be worse. Trey's could be not as severe. Um, that that's unclear, at least publicly unclear at this moment. But Mike Krzyzewski did say he's going to be – he would assume he's, quote, out for a while. And so I don't think, as many people uh, like to make this joke last night on Twitter, uh, you know, oh, one game, indefinite suspension at Duke, that's one game because of the Grayson Allen indefinite suspension that was one game. It, it appears that it's going to be more than one game. Um, the point I was going to make initially is that when you tweet this last night, you know, Trey Jones is going to be out indefinitely with an AC joint separation. There's a lot of what you reference, which is, well, I don't feel bad for them. Oh, or I'm so sad for mm-hmm. Duke sarcastically. And I don't know why it's difficult for, like, a reasonable human to acknowledge Duke has um, an incredible roster with options unlike any other roster in the country. But it still sucks on a random Monday night in January to lose your point guard and the guy who puts incredible pressure on the ball on the defensive end of the court for an indefinite amount of time. It could actually change everything about your season. If nothing else, it's going to affect the seed you're going to get in the NCAA tournament. And if he is out for a while, and like a while could be the season, theoretically, 
Like, it's the difference between you maybe winning a national championship and not winning a national championship. Duke will be good regardless, but I don't know why it's difficult for folks to acknowledge um, that Duke, oh, oh, you know, oh, well, Duke's still got, you know, a million other McDonald's All-Americans, whatever. Um, But then also acknowledge this is a massive blow to that basketball team because you talk to anybody on that Duke staff, or just yesterday afternoon before this happened, I had Jay Billis on my radio show, and he made the same point. Like, Trey Jones is as important to what Duke does um, and to Duke being good as anybody else on that roster. The reason that they've had to go to zone in recent years because their one-and-done guys couldn't guard and they don't have to do it this year is Trey Jones because he is so good and advanced on that end of the court. So I I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I – I guess I mostly don't care, although I've been talking about it for three minutes now. But it, it is a little weird that people can't acknowledge, um, even if Duke still has three top five picks on his roster, losing Trey Jones is 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 not anything close to insignificant. Extremely significant, but I also, real quick, I need to circle back to what you started that uh, whole little rant about. It wasn't even a rant, but you know what I mean. Whenever someone prefaces something with, I'm not a doctor, it's safe to assume that everyone within that person's vicinity, whether they're listening on a podcast, having that conversation in a hotel bar or wherever, we all know you're not a doctor. All right. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? They're like, well, listen, I'm not a doctor, but yeah, we get that. Everyone knows. Everyone, if you were right, a doctor. I'll just say it then. I, I, I am a doctor. Okay. That's it. That, thank you. Finally. Finally, it comes out on the podcast. People don't realize I didn't want to brag on the podcast, but if you're going to put me in a tough spot, I'm going to go ahead and publicly acknowledge (laughs) I am actually a doctor. Trey Jones is going to be out for a while. That's right. Um, Okay. We don't know the timeline, right? Could be. I think if you're you're looking uh, best-case scenario, five games, six games. Worst-case scenario, this never gets right and misses the rest of the season. I think we both land that it's going to be somewhere in between, and you're hoping for essentially a month from now, maybe five weeks from now. We'll see. Um, shoulder injuries are can be uh, weird, freaky, bizarre, and, and the healing time, it's it's it, you just never know. Um, as, a, as a doctor, I actually do know. Mm, okay. That's the point I'm trying to make. Okay. All right. So can you give an exact uh, diagnosis here, timeline? Yes. Um, after examining – um, Trey Jones' shoulder last night, I reached the conclusion that he's obviously going to miss the Virginia game uh, on Saturday. Then we'll also miss Pitt, Georgia Tech, Notre Dame, St. John's, Boston College. And I have him slotted to return on uh, February 9th when the Blue Devils travel to Virginia to play the Cavaliers um, on that Saturday. So I have um, diagnosed Trey Jones with a separated AC joint and he will miss the next one, two, three, four, five, six games. That's that's my that's my opinion based on me being a doctor, my history in the medical field. All right, we got to send that. Uh, we got to send that over to Duke. Um, it's already done. I've already sent it. All right. Hopefully they'll uh, they'll be able to put that out officially later today, and then everyone can be updated, which is good. All right. Trey Jones is averaging. Uh, I like being a doctor, by the way. Oh, it's, it's, it's just been tra- fun these, these past five minutes. Oh yeah, no, it's it's it's. I'm sure it's quite the life there, no doubt. All right, so Trey Jones leads all freshmen in steals per game, two point one, as uh, five point seven assists among the top. His assist to turnover ratio is number two in the country. 
His offensive rating at Ken Palm is top five among all freshmen. Um, now he doesn't like he's at eight point one points a game, three point one rebounds, but that's not exactly what they're asking him to do. You're right on the money. I think Zion's their best overall defensive player with Trey as a close second. Uh, does so many things so well, and now. Um, who mentioned this? Someone mentioned this on television last night. I can't remember who, but it was a good point. Whereas Tyus on that championship team had Quinn Cook. Trey doesn't necessarily have that here in terms of a, certainly in terms of a, of a senior floor general, just doesn't have it. And now you're going to see Jordan Goldwire, Alex O'Connell get more playing time. Um, actually, I think I saw Katz say this on Twitter. So shout out to Andy Katz, who uh, uploaded a video to Twitter analyzing the Trey Jones. He also might be a doctor, so you might have some competition within the field pair. Andy, Andy is not a doctor. I think it's Dr. He's Katz. an accomplished journalist and in incredible television presence. Not a doctor like I'm a doctor. Okay. Um, but the point is, what is Duke going to be able to do with running its offense now? Are they going to run it? Through RJ, I think I think that's probably the short-term answer. I think, and Barrett, by the way, you know he's not, he's not been uh, ineffective in, in distributing the ball, averaging four point one assists, twenty three point four points, six point nine rebounds. He's been pretty strong overall. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, I believe Jay Williams said on on Monday night that uh, also it, not a doctor, by the way. Okay, um, I think he said something along the lines of now. Uh, R.J. Barrett needs to actually be James Harden and like drop 40 a game for Duke to be successful. Uh, this was passed along to me, so I'm, I might be uh, paraphrasing third-hand information, but I, I don't know. That that's, that will be interesting and potentially uh, very fun and, and very well could backfire. I want to see how R.J. Barrett does against Virginia on Saturday, uh, and Parrish will be on hand. Not only will Parrish be on hand at that game, I believe if, if viewers watch – when you watch that game, check the end of the Duke bench because Paris is actually going to have the stethoscope around his neck. He's going to be there to analyze <laughs> and diagnose uh, either team, really, but, but Duke, Duke has actually asked him to fly in and, and take care of that. What if I very subtle, uh, in a subtle way, and like, because Cameron is one of the places where you can see the sports writers. Like, we are, you know, opposite, like the cameras are shooting down on us. And we're like right there on the front row in front of the Cameron Crazies. What if I wear a stethoscope? <laughs> How good would that be? I'm just sitting courtside with a stethoscope around my neck. Uh, it'd be the best, man. It would can be, I get one between that and then? Of course, it would be I the can. best. And and at halftime, you need to jump over the table and sprint back with the managers with the Duke. Guys. What are those managers doing? Why do they do that? You're gonna be involved in that this time, though. Because <laughs> you got to get back there, man. With, I mean, I would get I would get like in trouble. Like in real actual trouble. Yeah. <laughs> but what would be funnier than me just sprinting with the managers to the do you think I could keep up with them? Uh you know what? You're you are uh you're sneaky shifty. I think you've got I think you've got a chance, but make no mistake about it, as we mentioned in November on this podcast, because it was all over the Maui tournament. Those dudes, I mean, they burn. So I don't know. I you might pull a hammy, but if that happens, it's okay, because guess what? You're a doctor. I'm a doctor, I can fix myself. That's right. For people who don't know what we're talking about, for reasons that are forever unclear, because there, there's no way you can explain it to me and make me go, oh, okay, that makes sense. Uh, the Duke managers, watch it. If you've never noticed it, watch it at the end of the half. As soon as the horn sounds, these dudes, these little white dudes, <laughs> take off running in a sprint like they're in the freaking Olympics. 
to the locker room across the court. And it is the funniest thing in the world because there's nothing going on that would like if my house caught on fire, I wouldn't run like that. I'd be like, do I have time to grab this or that? And then I would like casually, I think, stroll out of my house. Like there, there is no reason to run like that unless a cheetah is chasing you. And even then, I don't know. But these dudes run like multiple cheetahs are chasing them. And and <laughs> what would be funnier if I ran right with them on Saturday, halftime of Duke, Virginia, with a stethoscope around my neck? All-timer. All-timer. It'd be an all-timer. It'd uh, be an all-timer. Did I book my trip prematurely? Is this game going to live up to the high? I mean, we talk I, – I should say this. I know I've already said it. But um, given it's me, I'm going to say it at least three or four more times. Um Duke still does have three top five picks that are presumably going to be healthy yeah. for Saturday. So, um, you know, the game is not suddenly a dud, but it's not what it otherwise would have been. I think it's still pretty awesome overall. Top two teams in the metrics. Um, Duke's still plenty loaded. you got to figure Reddish is going to be clear to go. I mean, the flu-like symptoms, you would have to believe, will have subsided by then. Uh, I diagnosed him, by the oh, way, okay. last night. Oh, okay. He will be fine. Um, he was already feeling better. Uh, earlier this morning uh, when I diagnosed him. And so um, I would expect he gets the day off today. This is what I told Kay. And then he should be uh, ready to, to practice on Wednesday and, and in the starting lineup on Saturday. That's my official diagnosis as uh, somebody who is um, accomplished in the medical field. It's your your ability to uh, to diagnose from from hundreds of miles away, uh, yeah. not even doing in the do it in, in the uh, in the physical sense is 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 really it's a major step forward in the world of medicine, and yeah. and I listen. I appreciate that you're going to still do this podcast, but you might be wasting your time. I mean, if you're able to do this, I've felt like that for a while, uh, honestly. Right, fair enough. All right, so <laughs> it's still going to be good. I think Duke's still going to be favored. I'll uh, the line won't come out until Friday. Um, I don't know what Kempom has it at. I will guess you're going to have Duke at favored by, I think, two maybe in Something that game. Something like that. Yeah. Um, okay, so. Uh, the next, so let's say, let's just say you're right, and Trey Jones returns February 9th at Virginia. So in between then is Virginia this week, and then Pittsburgh on the road, Georgia Tech at home, Notre Dame on the road, St. John's at home, Boston College at home. I think we will be on the same page on this. That's one, two, three, four, five. That is six games. Five and one in that stretch for Duke. That's my guess. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean that—that's the if you're looking for the positive in this, and there's really no positive. But if you're trying to find something to make you less depressed, if you're a Duke fan, the schedule's about to lighten up um, pretty significantly um, after the Virginia game because it's five straight games with sub fifty uh, Ken Palm teams, and three of those games are home games. So I, I would assume that. Um, how about this? If they beat Virginia, they'll go six and zero in that six game stretch. And if they lose to Virginia, they'll go five and one in that six game stretch. I do not think they're going to lose at Pitt, at home to Georgia Tech, at Notre Dame, at home to St. John's, or at home to Boston College. Probably not. But who, what team do you think is better, Syracuse or St. John's? I think St. John's with Shamori Pons is better. Sure. Yeah, and they should have Pons on that. So if you can lose one yeah. to, you know, if you, yeah, no, definitely, it's possible. It's but, possible. But, but keep in mind, by then they will have time to have prepared yeah. to play without Trey Jones. That's the other thing that gets lost in this. There's a big difference between losing your point guard the day before a game or two weeks before a game and losing him right in the middle of a game. I agree. We'll see what happens. Hey, listen, if nothing else, 
Um, you know, the unexpected makes for interesting copy and discussion here. And now Duke is, uh, from a roster standpoint, facing some true adversity. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Uh, just a couple of other things I want to get to before we get out of here. Um, Nebraska won 66 uh, 55, uh, 66-51 rather, um, on Monday night at Indiana. So they are now 13-4 uh, and four overall. They're up to number 11 at Ken Palm. And Indiana is 12-5 and five now on a three-game losing streak. The Hoosiers have lost to Michigan, Maryland, and Nebraska. And how about this tweet last night from Bob Kravitz, longtime Indianapolis columnist who now works for The Athletic. He said, Archie's endless honeymoon continues. If Tom Crean had lost like this to Nebraska at home, all hell would be breaking loose. Am I wrong? Has something changed? Norlander, let me ask you the same question Bob Kravitz asked Twitter. Has something changed? Well, yeah, context is everything. Uh, I understand the point he's making there. And Indiana shouldn't be facing three-game losing streaks. But, again, uh, to, to insert a coda on our previous podcast, this is going to be what the Big Ten is. You're going to have these kind of results with since the middle is just it's a marshland of teams that you can kind of interchange. Big win for Nebraska. I think that's going to be insurance because, you know what, Cornhuskers were better than their league record, in my opinion, to that point. They get a win. They get to even table in the conference at 3-3 three and three now. And, overall, they are they're sitting well – uh, with what the, with the resume they have, but getting that kind of road win I think is pretty important for Indiana. Too talented in my in my estimation to drop three straight, but I understand that the first two of those three were games they were supposed to lose at Michigan and then at Maryland. The Maryland one was only by three points, and and if you if you watch that game, you know you can make the argument Indiana should have won it. There's there's no question about that. That was a Friday night tilt, and they they should have gotten it. Now it that where it gets. Where it gets interesting is upcoming. At Purdue, at Northwestern, then you are home to Michigan, which, well, could still be undefeated at the point. Maybe. We'll see. And then two more road games at Rutgers, at Michigan State. So for Indiana, in year number two under Archie Miller, sits at 12-5, and five, obviously didn't make the NCAA tournament last season. This is the stretch. This is where if you cannot get out of the next five games with at least three wins – which is possible, but it's going to be a tall task. You're going to find yourself 
I mean, you're going to have at least eight, if not nine losses, and it's it's just Paris is going to be a 65 degree climb at that point just to to keep up within the league and get the resume to where it's NCAA tournament quality. So because of the loss and because of the timing of it, and it's three games, whereas this didn't really seem something that was on the table two weeks ago, uh, Indiana being more likely to be in the NIT than the Big Dance. It's now it's 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 turned in a hurry, and I'm glad we brought it up on the pod because I don't even think people realize this. I know Indiana fans do, but elsewhere I don't think people realize this. And if that winds up happening, by the way, our our freshman rankings, the Frost Watch updates every Tuesday on CBSSports.com. Um, Romeo Langford is pretty clearly the third best freshman in the country this season. He has, for the most part, pretty much lived up to the hype. He's only behind, we've only have him behind Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett. Um, so that would you know. That would stink if, uh, if we didn't get Romeo and IU in the tournament because the team it, it has the talent to do it, but the schedule now is providing huge hurdles. Three-game losing streaks are not good when you are you know, supposed to be a top 25 team, uh, but uh, I agree with you. Context matters. The first two losses are, are, are games you're probably supposed to lose at Michigan, at Maryland. Now, you don't ever want to lose by double digits at home to – I guess anybody, but especially to a team that, you know, at, at the time was was unranked in the AP poll. But Nebraska's computer stuff is way better than its human stuff. Um, they're 11th at, at Ken Palm right now. And so Tim Miles got a good basketball team. And uh, on a neutral court, Nebraska, even before last night happened, would have been favored over over Indiana. So there's nothing that humiliating there. It's a three-game losing streak with three losses to three top 20 Ken Palm teams, but, um, you know, it's Indiana. I mean, they, they, they fired a coach uh, a year after he won an outright Big Ten title, and so this is part of the job. When you take a job, and I really do think maybe the tell – me, tell me if you agree with this or disagree with this. In terms of fan pressure that can lead to knee-jerk reactions that might be a bit misguided – is it Kentucky and Indiana? Maybe UCLA? Mm-hmm. I mean, are those the three? I think yes. And uh, 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 yeah, so you got those three. If we're, if we're talking about like the biggest programs, uh, Kansas, no. Carolina, no. Duke, no. Louisville, no. Syracuse, no. Michigan State, no. And then I don't know what other program, uh, like U- UConn's just not there, but that would be a no. Um UConn fans, I actually thought were pretty patient with Ollie, but he won a national title. Um, so yeah, I think that's I think that's the 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 threesome, and I would I, I would put UCLA number one in that behind Indiana two, and then Kentucky three, but in its own way a little bit different than the other two. Well, the the weird thing about UCLA is that it it's obviously a thing. Like if you don't live up to incredible expectations it'll cost you your job but it's not a thing in the sense that you have to hear about it on radio all day long like they're not in LA even when Steve Alford's losing games they're just not sure. in LA non-stop talking about UCLA it's it's Lakers it's Dodgers it's uh, you know Ram- I don't know it's a whole bunch of stuff before it gets to UCLA whereas in Indianapolis today I, I promise you they are talking exclusively Mm-hmm. I would assume uh, almost exclusively about Indiana's three-game losing streak, and if Kentucky ever goes on a three-game losing streak in the state of Kentucky, they are talking about Kentucky's three-game losing streak. So Indiana, like the stakes are high; it'll it'll cost you your job, but it's not an intense like backlash that 
that you have to deal with, whereas in those other two places it clearly is. Yeah, that's, that is 100% on the money. Uh, I agree with that. And, you know, I think most Indiana fans, listen, the hire they knocked it out, they won the hire. They, it's good hire. I maintain that. I think Archie Miller is going to be at Indiana six, seven years from now coaching this program. But now that year two has been uh, bumpier than expected, it be interesting to see if if they can turn it because I actually think Indiana can turn it. I think I hell, let's just put it put it on the table right now. Indiana Hoosiers in the 2019 NCAA tournament. Yes or no, Gary Parish? Of course, yes. I say yes yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I I I I would bet lots of money on that. Uh, you know, I I honestly think, and Indiana fans don't want to hear this. I think the three game losing streak says more about the Big Ten and exactly what we talked about on Sunday um, than it does about that it does about Indiana. I, I, you know, I, I'm not concerned about Indiana and I'm not concerned about Archie. Like we know the guy can coach. We know it from what he did at Dayton. And also, and I, I always think this is important. And this is one of the things we are allowed to do because of our jobs that the, the, the average fan isn't like we, we know these guys and, and by these guys, I mean the coaches throughout college basketball and we know who has a good reputation as far as a coach with other coaches and who doesn't. And Archie does. And so you give me a guy who can undeniably coach and who is now an accomplished recruiter, given what he just did in the class of 2018, and then give him the resources that Indiana's going to have. That guy's going to be fine. I mean, you might still fire him someday for the same reasons you or, or similar reasons to, uh, you know, you fired Tom Crean. But like, you know, he's he'll be good there and he's going to get things done there. And this three game losing streak doesn't make me think otherwise at all. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you overall. And, and, and speaking of, you know, hires of note, can we, can we just mention what, what Pitt did and and the, and the hangover Florida state against, you know, the post Duke hangover for FSU. Yeah. Let's close on that. Um, because, uh, shouts to Jeff Cable. I mean, for people who don't understand, uh, Pitt was in a bad place under Kevin Stallings. Uh, I don't know how it got there because Kevin is somebody who uh, has had a, a pretty uh, impressive career. Um, you know, he was a longtime coach at Vanderbilt, but he took Pitt to a bad place. And they went 8-24 and last season and finished 227th at Ken Palm. Jeff Capel gets hired off of Mike Krzyzewski's staff at Duke. And after last night's, Monday night's win over Florida State, they beat Florida State 75-62. That's the same Florida State team that they just uh, you know, played Duke to the final second. Uh, Pitt's now 12-5 and overall. They've got wins over Louisville and Florida State in the past six days, and they're now 68 at Kempom. I have not been able to look this up, but 227 at the end of last season to 68 right now, I don't know that any team in the country has made a bigger jump than that. That's a massive jump, and they're 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 playing well. It is uh, it's a testament to sometimes, not always, but sometimes, if you just completely shake things up, if things get so bad within a program, and you need a coaching change, and you get the right guy, it can turn out like this. Now, I don't think I. Whereas I think IU is going to be in the big dance. I don't think Pitt's going to get there, uh, but these are these are positive gains already. Um, I was curious as to how the, the the team would perform in the ACC because it didn't do anything really 
in the non-conference, which wasn't a letdown. It was just year one under Capel. But you see some uh, some nice some nice wins already. Granted, they are at home. Want to see what they can do on the road. Interestingly enough, the way that the AC schedule is, is kind of uh, spiraling out here is 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 now Pitt plays Syracuse from the Florida State to Duke to Pitt to uh, to Georgia Tech. All these teams seem to be playing each other within one game of each other. So can Pitt go and and win at Syracuse? I think we both think that's plenty possible given uh, the bipolarity of, of Syracuse. But shouts to Jeff Capel. And, you know, it was public that he was not the school's first choice. That was Dan Hurley, who opted to go to UConn. But Capel is working out very well in year number one. And we'll see what the, what it can do the rest of the way. Even if even if Pitt, you know, winds up being a non-factor and finishes 10th, 11th in the league, I still think and it, that— And it probably will. Yeah, but it's still been—you you are seeing signs there. Xavier Johnson, by the way, I mentioned our, our frost watch. He's not in the top 10, but he's knocking on the door. He has been a top 12, top 13 freshman overall in America this season. A really fun player uh, to watch and, and does a lot of things for them. So, yes, uh, the future is very bright for Pitt in that program. You guys have come out just fine so far. No question. Um, and I, I would just say that, you know, th- these last couple of wins, um, and, and keep in mind, so like the last f- three games, it's a win over Louisville, a win over Florida State. So it's a win over the Louisville team that just beat North Carolina, a beat North Carolina bad, a win over the Florida State team that played Duke to the final second. And they played um, at NC State, uh, they played the Wolfpack to, to single digits. That was an 86-80 game. And so... Um, they're they're not only winning games; they're they're obviously playing well. And either way, I, I don't know where this goes from here. Like you know, they could lose the next five. Um, they'll be underdogs in the next five. It's Syracuse, Duke, Louisville, Clemson, Syracuse. But any win you get, particularly ACC win you get a year after the program you're now leading went eight and twenty four, and finished two twenty seven at Ken Palm. Uh, is a good win Uh, already it's January 15th and Pitt has four more wins than it had all of last season Um, like I tweeted on Monday night uh, what Jeff is doing at Pitt is not getting as much recruiting attention as what Penny Hardaway is doing at Memphis it's not getting as much on the court attention as what Kermit Davis has done at Ole Miss take the Rebels um, from pick last in the SEC to, to the top 20 of the AP poll right now but it is similarly uh, I- impressive, and that was a that was an impressive win that that, that the Panthers got on, on Monday night against Florida State. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M.F. and Teagle. He's the legend. Shouts to Larnell. And uh, remember, please go subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcast if you haven't done that already. If you have, thank you sincerely. It does make a a, a big difference. Um, it helps other people become aware of the Ion College Basketball Podcast. It uh, impresses our bosses. So all of that is is good stuff. If you've already done it, thank you. If you haven't, it, it takes seconds, uh, not even a minute. So please go do that. Subscribe it, rate it favorably. Five stars, nice comments. I'll owe you forever. And we're going to talk to you again on Friday morning. Till then, take care.